Should a game be judged by its expansions? Maybe. Welcome to Tabletop Shop. everybody to another episode of tabletop shop uh your one stop shop for listening to uh board game related content uh on the internet tabletop today games ta- yes tabletop games specifically <laughs> hey maybe we'll branch out branch out at some point we might have to re- kind of rebrand a little bit but you know let's just not let's yeah. not say well, it'll never happen dude, that's why we, that's why we made it broad like there's tabletop games are all the games basically I was thinking, sports. you know, maybe sometime in the future we'll dabble into video games even, but, you know. Ooh. Hey, you didn't you didn't hear that from me. I so, didn't. I'm I am, super confused now, man. I am one of your co-hosts, Nate Clark, and seated across the city from me is your other co-host. See, there it is, Cody. Last week See? I tried to... No, this no, is no, your no. fault. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say my name because that's what you did last time. Uh, for those of you who, for some reason, didn't listen to the first episode and you're only listening to the second one... Last week I introduced Cody and he got all up in arms about it. And this week I let I I let him do it himself. <laughs> and like I predicted last time, awkward silence. Nah, nah, it's Nate's fault. So thank you guys for tuning in again or tuning in for the first time. We are going to talk about board games. Uh, we're gonna chat a little bit about games and we're gonna bring up some other topics related to games and just have a good time enjoying conversing about a topic that we both like a lot and assumedly that you the listener enjoys as well i mean that's why you're here is exactly why you're here or is it just to listen to our silky sweet voices i guess i could you actually it sounded very good right there i think your voice is probably (laughs) it's kind of slam dunking on my voice right now although actually people have told me that i have a good podcasting voice before so you know we'll have to see what people think about that but cody maybe i should just kind of transition to talking like this the whole time what do you think you transition to telling me what you played this week well okay here's the deal nate i actually have a statement for you before we get into that why don't you did you know that there's a fast and furious board game i did okay did you know that there's multiple i did not ha so now you don't know if you were thinking of the same one that i was thinking of I probably was. Okay. Fast and Furious, Highway Heist. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Just came out 2021. Have you played it? No. How's this relevant? I just learned about it like 10 minutes ago and I thought I'd just start the podcast with that. (laughs) Wow. Just how everybody was hoping you would start the podcast out with with With, Fast and Furious, Furious Highway Heist. Oh boy. Hold on to your seats, folks. Yeah. I mean, it's rank... 4,426, so it's pretty good. But to some people, that's obsolete. The rank on the right? geek. Yeah, well, I mean, just look at Arab Kingdoms, and then you'll understand. <laughs> so, Cody, if you didn't play what's it called? Fast and Furious Highway Heist. If you did not yeah. play that, what on earth could you possibly have played this week? Well, Nate, looking at my little list that I made so I could remember, I have four games I'm proud to say that I played. Just one of each. Not a super great track record for games this week, I'd say, at least numeric-wise, compared to other times in the past. But we started off with Lost Ruins of Arnak. Did you know that Lost Ruins of Arnak has a double-sided board, Nate? I did not, because I've only played it once. Ha! We should come and play again, because the other side of the board is 
different. Different in yeah. a functionally different way or in an aesthetically different way? In, in a functionally different way. Aesthetically, it's actually minimally different. Um, I think there's like a different final end game art temple section on the top right, but that's really about it. I'm pretty sure all the rest of the the map and everything is the same. <laughs> it's like they but started it, to. It's like they started to redesign the board, and they're like, no, "This is way too much like, trouble." Never mind. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was it was pretty good. I don't know why I say it like that because I've already played that side before, but it's probably actually only the second time that I've played the the alternate side. They recommend starting with the first side, and then of course. once you're an advanced Arnak player, you can play the other side. Uh, but it's been a while since I played the the backside. It was pretty fun. It just kind of changes up a lot of the cost for locations that you can go to, makes it a little more interesting. And then, do you remember that little track on the right where you're? Yeah. It's the research track, and you're pushing up a little magnifying glass, whatnot. It makes that. I'd say drastically different in a good way. And I, I lost. I'm pretty sure I lost. <laughs> I will not agree to playing again just based on that, but okay, all right, I could be convinced. I'm not. A, I'm you not know, a huge fan of the game. I've played it once. Uh, I have my. I have my problems with it, but you know, I I, I could be convinced to play it again. Okay. What's well, interesting because Lost Ruins of Arnak has been compared frequently, I believe, with Dune Imperium. Yeah. Since well, they came out about the same time, they're both basically deck builder worker placement combos. That was kind of the thing was that they both had those two primary uh, mechanisms that were driving the games, and so just naturally they got compared a lot. And I've seen a lot of people online going, how could you possibly even compare these games? They're not you know, similar <laughs> at all. But there's always going to be people, people that think one thing and people that think another thing. So, you know, I don't really That's know true. what the purpose of this statement was. What else have you played this week? I also played Wingspan. Thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. Digital or uh, physical? Digital is just an easy way for me to break it out. I'm curious how many games I've played at this point, actually. I don't think it's, it's probably close to rivaling my side, my digital side plays, but that's like over a hundred and I'm probably at, oh, I don't know, maybe eighties, nineties plays for Wingspan. That's crazy. Let's just, let's just say I, I basically mastered it at this point, you, you know. You kind of have though, haven't you? I, I kind of a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to say that boastfully, but I was watching quite a lot of like advanced wingspan strategy vids and it it did like employing those strategies drastically improved my scores uh, and it makes me feel stupid for all the times that i was not getting those high scores <laughs> so we should play sometime because i i know you really like wingspan i am i think it's an okay game and i would play it again but since you're just basically telling me that you're gonna cream me it's you know not quite as an, an inviting of experience i don't oh, think okay hey nate we should play wingspan sometime you know just just relax there's birds there's wow. eggs that sounds that sounds so uh like such a friendly challenge and uh, yeah. not in any way trojan horse hey i try man i mean i'm trying really hard right now to get you to play wingspan with me but this has gone on too long. Let me let me just conclude saying I play Champions of Midgard with you. But I'll let you cover that because that was the same play session. I know you played it multiple times recently-ish. I have. 
Um, and then my final game was Seven Wonders Duel, which I went really heavy into the... I don't remember what the category is called, but they're the yellow cards, like commerce or economy or something. And Like I did last time when I beat you. Did I beat you? Uh, no, I, I think I you think beat I, me still. I think I crushed you. <laughs> actually, actually, I, I can remember the score. The reason I can remember the score is because last game that I played with Kirsten, um, I got our scores were exactly the same of what you and I got when we played. Right. Which was just funny. Which was 81 to 58. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. But enough of my boastfulness, Nate. What have you played this week? Uh, I have played a few different games in the last week. Actually, well, okay, like you mentioned, I have played uh, Champions of Midgard quite a few times. Because nice. I got the Valhalla and the Dark Mountains expansion for that. And I was yes. super pumped to play it. So you and I played it. Uh, I played it with another friend. I played it with my family. I think I've played it four times now, and I mean, I knew the expansions were hyped up. I knew a lot of people said that they're really, they do a lot of good for the game. And, you know, it was based on those, it was based on, on, uh, those recommendations kind of that I really sought after these expansions and they really do. I feel like revolutionize the game in a very good way, especially Valhalla. But honestly, I, I think Dark Mountains is kind of undersold a little bit because people, are so gung-ho about the Valhalla expansion. I think Dark Mountains is really good because it gives you two extra monsters to fight. And actually, in like a three-player game, you can almost sometimes struggle to find somewhere to fight, especially with the Valhalla expansion where you have... it's For some reason, it's just so much easier to fight monsters. Like I found... Valhalla is the one that adds all the tokens for dice? Yeah, it adds all the tokens and adds in a couple different dice and all that. Um, Which weird, from my perspective, is because... I played both expansions with you, and that was the first time I played either expansion, so I actually don't really know what, what part was what. Actually, well, me as well. Um, I haven't played oh, the okay. game with only one of them. I just threw them both in at the same time. Um, but obviously, you know, I, I, un- I unboxed them, and I, you know, obviously I know what's in what expansion. But mm-hmm. yeah, so basically just the extra enemies that you fight well, that, uh, that you also have the extra journey cards for, and then the, the green archer dice are all part of the Dark Mountains. And then everything else with the extra cards and the chips and the extra dice and all that stuff comes from Valhalla. So Valhalla is the bigger, meatier, more game-changing expansion. But they're both very good. And if anyone has the chance to get these and add them to their base game, I highly, highly recommend it. So when are you going to sell your copy? (laughs) Over my dead body. Hey, I mean, you're planning on moving soon. You need to downsize, right? I do. That is I can help you with that. (laughs) Not very high on the list (laughs) of downsizing. Uh, let's see. I also played Castles of Burgundy this uh, oh. week. I might have played that one last week also. Very I'm solid going to game. assume it was the an- uh, anniversary edition? Uh, yes. Not the one that was just recently kickstarted, but the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, very confusing... What is it? The, what are they called? Like the 20th anniversary edition I or something like that? I think it's 20th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Not 20th anniversary of the game, but of, I think, Aaliyah games. Whatever. Oh, is that? That's right. Castles of Burgundy is from like 2013 or something like that. It's not. Yeah. It's only, yeah. So, whatever. <laughs> it's released like a few years later. But if you like, for those of you who maybe like Castles of Burgundy, I would highly recommending get, recommend getting that version of the game. It's a lot better, in my opinion. Uh, just aesthetically, it looks way better and it adds in a bunch of little mini expansions that really juice the game up. And uh, yeah, it's a great, great uh, addition of the game. 
and just a, a great uh it's a very euroy game where you actually roll dice every single turn which is doesn't seem to go together but it does it works very well it doesn't feel luck based even though you are rolling dice every round you have a lot you can do with those numbers and i've played this game countless times i love it that's a lot of times <laughs> by definition yeah um uh oh and then <laughs> funny enough I have played uh, Furnace this week, actually. Hmm. Maybe because I knew we were going to talk about it this week, and I was like, you know, I should get another play under the belt because I haven't touched it in a while. (laughs) You fiend. You have background experience. (laughs) Well, I mean, we both do, but, you know, mine's a little more recent and relevant. That's all right. We'll do fine. Uh, So I won't talk about Furnace because we're going to at length in a minute here. Maybe we I, should do that. Actually, we might as well just do that now, right? <laughs> hit that hit that dank transition music. All right. Well, welcome back to our Game of the Week segment. Nate, you already said it, but go ahead and say it again. What is our Game of the Week? Our Game of the Week is Furnace. Uh, I'm not on top of the ball right now with who it's designed by, but I can have that information in about four and a half seconds. Ha! I can have it faster. I can tell you the year. It came out 2020. It is designed by Ivan Lachin. I might be saying that wrong. Ivan Lachin. (laughs) You also might be, but you know, I'm just (laughs) speculating. (laughs) But if you average our two pronunciations, you're going to get the correct pronunciation. You might be more right than you know, honestly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay uh cody why don't you break down furnace for us a little bit okay i mean i don't want to it's such a beautiful game but furnace is just engine building stripped down to uh, i don't want to say the most basic process because it has a lot of it's thinking not, going on right. in this game but i mean there's not a lot of fluff on it which i'll actually come back to that because uh, that's that's a statement that's a, a view I have of the game that I'll need to make. But Furnace is, well, this would be 19th century, right? Sort of industrial yeah. revolution. Uh, and you're playing as a coal, iron, oil, barren industry person who's <laughs> trying to build factories and get points. It's pretty legit. True, yes. Uh, yeah. How does the game actually work, though? <laughs> that's an excellent question, mate. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of it here just just to refresh my mind, which I do know this game. Actually, maybe well. I should do this then because I just played it recently, right? Oh yeah, do that. So basically, it's a it's half of the game is card drafting, and the other half is uh, running your engine that you've built via card drafting. Um, but the card drafting is very unique in that you have four discs. There's a there's a certain amount of cards laid out. You have four discs uh, that are labeled one, two, three, four, and you take turns uh, going around the the, the table placing one disc out at a time. Once everyone's placed all their discs out, whoever has the highest number on a, on a card will get to take that card. Anybody else that's on that card will get compensated times whatever number's on there. Um, so if somebody puts a four on a card and I put a one on, or a two on the same card, they get to keep the card, but I get whatever the bonus is times two because I put a two on there and I lost. Um, so that makes for a very interesting dynamic because you can use your smaller numbers to get good bonuses, but you also need to actually collect cards because and then in the second half of the game, you set all your cards up in whatever order you want, and then you resolve them in that order, 
and they're all producing materials and exchanging materials one for another and ultimately you're trying to turn those materials into money which is points because this is a capitalist themed game and so that's kind of ultimately what you're trying to do so the only way you can get points really is by getting those cards into your engine and then running it but you can also get a lot of bonus resources and such by playing those smaller numbers out in the middle and kind of sniping a lot of resources um, so you just do four rounds of that your uh, your engine gets bigger and bigger every time, obviously, because you're adding more cards to it every round. And then, uh, yeah, you just see who generated the most revenue by the end of the end of the game. Indeed. Now, Nate, I have a question for you. Have you read any of the suggested advanced game variants in the rulebook? That sounds familiar, but I am actually kind of interested now in what that actually is because I don't know. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, it's um, it's all basically around the same concept, and I actually haven't tried them yet. It sounds somewhat miserably hard, but the concept. Oh in the game, no 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 you, no! You no, have no. all your cards, and you can yes. choose whatever order. Yeah yeah yeah. You can choose. No no no. When you acquire a card, it has to go in a set place, yes. and then it's permanently in yeah. that order for the rest of the game. Yeah, actually, Anna and I tried that. We did it that way. Yeah, How'd it go? is so much harder understandably I, so. I would imagine <laughs> it's like such a headache it, it i actually <laughs> i almost don't like it because it takes some fun out of the game oh, but it okay. also really slows the game down because that first it half is a pretty fast game isn't it well it is which is actually good and i like that um the second half of each round goes faster because you don't get to rearrange your cards and do them whatever order you want. Oh. But the first half goes okay. a lot slower because everyone's just like <laughs> suffering from like, there's so much more uh, kind of, there's so much more on the line. There's so much more at stake uh -huh. in what cards you get in that first round. Yeah. And it seemed like there were, there were variants within those variants. So there was one strict sense where as soon as you put a card down, like it can't move at all. But then there were some where if you acquire a new card, you can spread out cards in the middle and then put that card in the middle. Mm -hmm. As opposed yeah. to the strictest version was like, you can't put a card in between two other cards. Like right. it, it can only go either to the left or the yes. right. Yeah. And there's even a variant where it's like after the first round, I think it's, you can like rearrange during the first round and then after that you have to follow a set oh, rule and obviously you okay. can play around with it and do whatever combination of strictness and leniency that you want to kind of mess around with how people can put cards into their engine mm. um but it, it does create some interesting scenarios that really make you think oh i thought there was more to that statement <laughs> you felt like had a good conclusive earlier, end but <laughs> yeah well, I was curious if the difficulty and the intensity of that variant like resulted in a higher fun factor, but it sounds like what you're saying is it just made it painful. Yeah. See, here's my problem is that I, I like the game a lot, but I feel like if you really wanted to play the game that way, you would have to play it consistently. And I feel like Furnace is a hard one for me to come back to like every single week, you know? Like yeah, I want to get it out every once in a while because it is pretty straightforward it's pretty short it's a lot of fun i don't want to be playing it every week in order to train my mind to understand the game that way then i really think you're taking the fun out of the game if you're forcing yourself to play it just so that you can play it at that level successfully 
Yeah, wing wingspan feels like that a little bit for me because wingspan became sort of a game study. Yeah, as opposed to just a, an enjoyment factor. And yeah, I can see how that could happen I've, in furnace. Where <laughs> I've played with a person who plays games like this. He's a very analytical person, and he will approach a game. Actually, it was Castles of Burgundy, and he was kind of researching mm. what the average. Uh, like what the average good score is in Castles of Burgundy. And then, of course, because it's there's a set number of rounds, you know exactly how many actions you're going to have. And so he was breaking it down to how many points per action he should be averaging <laughs> in order to reach that, reach that good score. And then evaluating all of his decisions based on, well, does this action kind of ultimately reap me at least X amount mm-hmm. of points? And that... Actually, sure. I feel like that's a detrimental way to play that game um, because you have to... You take a lot of actions that don't give you any points in the moment or in, exactly. really honestly that don't give you any in the foreseeable future uh-huh. but you know they're going to play out i i will say i i get the idea behind his thinking because i i like researching games that way too that that's sort of what i did with wingspan like there's there's a logical way you need to go about this these are the the higher chances of giving you points you should go this way but yeah i think that was applied incorrectly for castles because your all, all your actions are going to be different and you're setting up slightly less effective actions point wise at the beginning of the game to get you to awesome actions at the end of the game for sure yeah it's, uh, it's to a me science, man. castles of burgundy is all about setting yourself up for those big plays that and also like you got to think like you can take an action that might it might give you some points but it might also trigger something else and that might even also trigger something else and you know so it's just yeah. it's so i don't know but i feel like also approaching a game that way sucks some of the fun out of it um if other people want to play games that way and they enjoy playing games that way then i have nothing against them um and it doesn't necessarily take away from the experience for the other people you play with as long as you're not you know taking a really long time to analyze things um but for me, I just can't play games that way. I feel like that turns it into a, a analytical, mathematical exercise instead of just sitting down and having fun playing a game. So, Kind of a weird side effect of that, I think, is it can then feel awkward playing with other people that either haven't gone to that extent or just aren't really experienced board gamers. Because then you just kind of feel bad if you absolutely crush them. Well, and, and on the flip side... Like when you introduce, when you're playing a game with somebody and they are playing it that way and you're not and you wipe them out still, then it's like really embarrassing for them as the person that was like, <laughs> you know, just breaking the game down and really like, you know, just ripping it apart and you're just going to extract all of the strategy that you can out of this and just use it to your advantage and you beat me by 45 points. Okay. You know, it's like... Maybe it's just you're, you're serving as a humbling experience for the other person at that point. Uh, possibly, yes, passive-aggressively, you know, not really confronting sure. them about how they play <laughs> games. But, you know, like I said, like, I don't care if somebody plays a game like that. That's fine. And it doesn't really pull away from the experience for other people too much. So, All right, so let's play Wingspan. Well... Hey, I'm going to hold you to your word, man. <laughs> okay, well, let's get back to Furnace here. Um, yeah, enough about Castles. This is a game of the week of Furnace. Nate, so, what do you like about Furnace? Well, I mean, come on. Obviously, I love the first half of the game. All right. I, okay. It's, it's All incredible. Right. It really is. I love the, the idea of trying to draft cards, but you can't, you're not just picking them. You're not just drawing them. You're not even buying them. You're bidding on them, essentially. And whoever bids the highest on a certain card is going to get it. 
but you don't want all the cards. In fact, you you deliberately want to lose some of the cards, but you want to lose them with the highest number possible sometimes. <laughs> and so there's a lot of kind of risk trying to guess what other people are doing that actually, which makes me think of something I don't like about it, but I'll get back to that in a second. Um, but I, I think that's a really, really, really solid and unique way of uh, drafting cards in a game. Uh, that this idea that you can intentionally lose in order to get compensated and receive something else than what the winner is receiving. It adds um, a, a strategic layer to it. Most other drafting games, it's either you're going to get the thing or you don't get the thing. And that's yeah. the only component to it's, it. It's mostly like, okay, what do I want? All right, I'll take that if I can afford it. Sometimes you don't even have to pay. You know, Blood Rage, Seven Wonders. A lot of times you don't even have to pay for things. You, you can just take them if you want them. Uh, and this is a very, very, very different approach to that. So I really like that. I think it's a very ingenious design. And yeah, I think everybody I've introduced the game to is like, whoa, this is this is so cool. Like, I've never seen this before. This is a really fun, almost activity within the game, you know, because it's not yeah. even the whole game. So I like that a lot. I think that's amazing. Um, and I think the game looks really good, too. I love the theme. The industrial theme is really cool. I think the art is done well. Um, it's kind of... It, I don't want to say it's all the same. It definitely all follows the same theme, which is generally pretty dark, because we're talking Industrial Revolution here, which kind of generally has a dark theme, kind of a dismal coal, you know, mm -hmm. smoke theme, right? Uh, but yeah. there's actually a lot of cool uh, accentuary colors in this game and the art. Um, even from the game box where like his heart is like the, the furnace and the rest of the game box is like black and white, you know, and then you have his red heart kind of that's beating. Oh, I never noticed that before. I'm looking yeah, at the super cover cool. right now. That's super genius. cool. Uh, but then all the cards are kind of the same way. They're mostly pretty dark and pretty bland, but a lot of times there's splotches of color thrown into mm -hmm. them. You know, I'm thinking of one card specifically that has like a sunset over a factory, you know, it's just so like the bright orange one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks really cool. It looks amazing. The resources are fun, um, other than the coal cubes. They could have done better than cubes, but um, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, at least they made the at hey, least they made the resources cubes, man. At least they made the resources different instead of them just all being different colored cubes, right? So there's that. I like the I like the texture of the cards too. It's a it's a certain almost gritty feel that it seems like they used on them. They're interesting. It's a little bit different from kind of the smooth like Dominion style cards. Yeah, they're definitely not your... They have more texture to them, but they're also a lot thinner than other cards. Mm -hmm. uh, they're like papery almost. Almost, But in yeah. a good way. Yeah, not to say that it's cheap. I don't think it is. And I wouldn't be worried about it either. Like, you don't need to sleeve these or anything because, like, the deck gets shuffled lightly once before the game starts, and that's it. So, you know, it's not like Dominion where you're just ramming those cards together every single turn, you know? Yeah. So, they really feel... ruin the aesthetic to sleeve them, too. For sure, yeah. They feel fragile, but that's fine. And I think they have a good feeling to them. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I won't get it. in. I won't get into the bad yet. That, I, and I like I said, I think the game is a good. I think it takes place over a good time window. You know, I think this game usually, I mean, tops. I don't even want to say forty-five minutes. Honestly, like I don't know if I've played a game of this that was forty-five minutes yet, mm. even with four people. Um, I think with four people that even kind of know what they're doing, you're like maxing out at 45 minutes. Sure. I mean, half of the game is just you working your own engine too, which is a simultaneous thing. 
Yeah, so which is... it doesn't really matter if you have two or four players that kind of averages out. Yeah, and I, I like that part a lot too. Um, once everybody knows what they're doing, usually when I teach this game to people, we don't do the beginning simultaneously. I do it, and then we go around and I make sure each person mm-hmm. understands how the cards work and how they should resolve them. Uh, and then after that, the rest of the game, it's like, all right, we all just do it at the same time for time's sake, you know? Sure. And if you have questions, you can ask, but like, it's pretty straightforward, honestly. Well said. Well said. So why don't you, uh, if there's anything left to talk about, why don't you tell me what you like? Sure. I mean, you covered most of it. Um, but I do like the, the visual of the discs. You have a one, two, three, and four. Oh yeah, and as as the number increases, the size of the disc gets bigger, so it's really mm-hmm. easy to see who actually won um, a given card, and then who's next down the line. Definitely, definitely. I feel yeah, like they have good colors cool. too. Yeah, they they don't seem to. I don't know the the yellow and the red seem very sort of NBA sports team colors. Oh yeah, you're not a fan. Of the game, uh, not as much. Huh. Nah, I I think it probably could have looked good with maybe. Uh, Maybe more of an orange, almost like that one sunset card, and I don't know, maybe like a blue or something. Here's but the thing: I feel like it okay. is. I feel like it is orange. I know we've had this disagreement before, actually, but I would one hundred percent say those are orange. In the comments below, are the red, orangish colored discs in furnace red or orange, or are they red um, orange? Actually, I feel Which like is this color. I feel like this game could have benefited benefited from some very some very nice looking colors like not primary colors but like i don't know you think about like uh tapestry you know the colors that are in tapestry they're variations you have like salmon red and olive green you Mm -hmm. know it's not just red and green i feel like this game could have really sort of yeah this game could have really benefited from some like a pastel color palette Mm -hmm. for the player colors anyway lost opportunity but who knows maybe two years from now when it's four years old they'll release a 20th anniversary edition and then uh, <laughs> they can have some upgraded components <laughs> and 10 mini expansions and dice hey that'd be awesome man although i guess it is only 415 on board game geek i mean which, which is respectable but it doesn't seem to be too highly valued well what else do you like about it other than where it's not ranked well you know that i love engine building slash tableau builders and that mm-hmm. is basically explicitly what this is with a, a drafting component in there and then you just resolve the the new engine components you have acquired um, i like it it's good it's efficient but it's not it's not like stripped down so much to where it doesn't feel like a thematic game you're not just playing a mechanism yeah i i will say it's pretty close to that but it, it still, leave, <laughs> kind it of, still huh? leaves room kind of. for the theme yeah, to influence. I mean, you, you get a little factory and each factory kind of specializes in whatever unit you're producing or processing. So yeah, man, that's, that's what I have to say about the good. I can get into the bad if you want. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I definitely have some bad to talk about. So you, you can go ahead. Okay. I, I'm curious what you have. I actually don't have much to say other than i don't really like the the player disc colors particularly much uh-huh. um but the, i guess the main thing that comes to mind when i think the game is the the variation of the player powers that it adds um yep. and we, we talked about this last podcast last episode i believe yeah we did but there's 
a, a game, I, I highly respect a game that can implement breaking the rules well, but there's kind of a requirement for that. The game has to have enough layers to it to where by breaking a rule, you're not going to break the game itself, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's the problem with Furnace. I like that it's stripped down so much, but since there's really not many rules to mess with, there's not very much going on mechanically necessarily, by adding these player powers that change, like, oh, you now do not have placement restrictions on where you put your discs. That's like a third of the game, and now you just don't have to worry about it. Right. I, I don't really know. I haven't analyzed if those player powers are balanced or not, but I don't really care if they're balanced or not. It's just I like the game Furnace, and when I play one of the player powers, it doesn't really feel like I'm getting the standard Furnace experience anymore. And I don't feel like they increase replayability either. A lot of times that's something you'll get out of variable player powers is it's like, okay, well, mm, I'll play true. as this guy this time, and the next time I play, I'll play as that guy, and that'll change how I approach the game. It's like, no, it just makes it easier. It just You just don't have to do something, and the game's just easier. That's all mm -hmm. it is. And I don't it's think kind of that's increasing replayability. It feels like they just really wanted to be able to say that the game has variable player powers in order to hook a certain demographic. And so they just did that and they just aren't very good. Yeah, I agree. So that's one thing I don't like about it. <laughs> Obviously, also. Again, I 100% agree. If, if they release a 20th anniversary edition, that's something I think they could fix or maybe just take out of the game. I don't know. Well, I've already done that. I mean, it's still in the box, but I don't use them. <laughs> like, I haven't. I guess I you don't I've, have to pay for that. I think I've played with them maybe twice, uh, and it's just oh, like you know what? Okay. I just I just don't care. Like, just not going to use them. Yeah, but that's okay. the, that's the nice thing. It's not. It's something you can take out of the game if you don't want to play with it. It's not like a core part of the game mm -hmm. to where you can't take it out and it ruins the whole. Like, you can't even play the game anymore. You know, it's not like that at all. Sure. So. Also, when like if I was rating the game, I wouldn't really factor that in. Like that's something I don't like about it, and I think it's a missed opportunity, kind of. But I wouldn't like it wouldn't pull the game down for me because it's something I can just take out and ignore and not use, and it then I can just play the game how I like it. So sure, I mean it, it's it's basically a mini expansion within the game too, so it's not really a core concept of the game, so it, it doesn't hurt to remove it. Right? It, yeah, it feels very superfluous and afterthought almost. So that's one thing I don't like. I also, oh, there was something else. I feel like there were three things. There's another big thing I don't like, which is playing this with two players if you play by the rules. Ah, uh, okay. A two-player game, a furnace, involves a die that you roll that determines where a third ghost player will randomly kind of place discs. That is completely ruins the game it absolutely <laughs> ruins the game because a big part of deciding what cards you want to bid on and what number you want to use in furnace is looking at the other people looking at what discs they have available looking at what cards they already have what resources they have what they've already bet on whatever what they've already chosen to bet on and then deducing where they might go where they might not go and then ordering what where you're going to bet where you're going to place your disc on that information and also of course what you want but when you introduce this ghost player that just randomly rolls a die and puts a disc out it's like well it's just a wild card here that i can't factor in to making decisions you know mm -hmm. i can't get inside the head of that it's just a random it's just random it's just rolling a die if i'm playing against two other people i can kind of get in their heads look at what they're doing 
and say, okay, I know neither of them is going to want to go on this card, almost certainly, so I can hold off. I don't need to go on that yet. I can go on something more pressing that they might be trying to go after, right? And you can't do that with a random die roll. Sure. I will say that as the round progresses, there is a certain manner of predictability that comes with it because the the neutral player, the the fake third player, still has to follow placement restrictions. So it if does. all they have left is a two and a three, and a card that you want has a two and a three on it, you know they can't touch it. Uh, true. But yes, there is sure, still like still they can't break the rules. You can you can use that against it. But I, I feel like it does. I don't know. It, I feel like it detracts from the strategy of the first half of each round. So that what's weird for me is I I don't really mind the the neutral third player that much. Really, <laughs> it's it's probably it's probably just speaking to my own play style. But I don't usually pay that much attention to what other players have or what they may be trying to get. Really. Eh. That's probably... How uh, could you not? It's probably mostly true. <laughs> I don't know. It. I, I guess it, it kind of just depends on the game uh, that I'm playing. But for Furnace, I find most of the time I'm just focusing on my own um, on my own devices, and I tend to have plan B. So I kind of analyze, okay, what's available now this round? I know I wanted this one earlier, and that one's not available anymore, so I'll go towards this one instead. So I've... That being said, I probably won't win this game as often as you will. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually but just going to ask. I know I I've scored over 100 in this game before, which I feel mm. like is really, really good. I that actually have never researched kind of high. what people score in this game. Um, but actually, Anna was the first person to get over 100. Uh, really? And I've also done it now. Yeah, she was really good at this game. Um, I've also gotten over 100 once, I think, and then uh, up into the 90s a couple times, which I feel pretty good about, like really good about. It's like my high score is 75, so that speaks for itself. <laughs> <laughs> but I also haven't played this that often. Sure, I mean, yeah. I've probably I definitely... played it half a dozen times. Yeah, I think I've played it at played least 10, if okay. probably more. Um, yeah, man, I feel like there's another thing I wanted to say I didn't like about it. Oh, I, I, I guess um, I feel like the replayability isn't there that i can i can't come back to it i don't even i'm like i maybe once every couple of weeks if even maybe sure. once a month it's just if i'm feeling like it it's good enough it's such a solid game that i'm keeping it uh, for as the foreseeable future but it's not something i'm going to come back to regularly you know sure what i would like to see is an a newer game that implements this concept but perhaps in a larger and more interesting way. Yeah, and I think there would be... I'm not slamming the game, Noel. I was was just saying, I feel like there would be room on my shelf for both of those. Yeah, I agree. It's it's nice having this as as a short game, too. Yeah. We kind of up there with Seven Wonders Duel. Yeah, I said that right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, man, what else is there? Why can't I think of any other games? Basically, this one and Furnace are two of the nice, easy games, or short games that are easy to pull out. But yeah, a larger game would be excellent. It could be. It could also feel like they're taking something and trying to make too much out of it, but I think it could be done successfully also. Yeah. I'm just thinking of that that core mechanic. The idea of bidding on something still yields 
a result. Oh, sure. If lose it. Yeah. Yeah. If you, that, if you like zoom out that far. Out. Yeah. I'm sure someone will. Someone probably already has, and there probably already are several games before Furnace that have implemented <laughs> this that we know nothing about. Yeah, possibly they just didn't quite uh, reach the popularity. Or we just don't know. There are games we just don't know that this is in them. Could also be possible. Sure. Well, you listeners out there, if you know of one, hit it in the comments. Let us know. I want to play it. Nate, well, regardless, wants to play it. sounds like we're both pretty big fans of this game. Um... I, like I said, I own it, and it's going to be on my shelf for the foreseeable future. I'm not planning on getting rid of it. Would definitely highly recommend it to really, really anybody. Actually, it's an easy game to learn. It's a short game, but it's there's so much. It's such a solid design that even experienced game players would really find something to enjoy there, also because it is so. It feels so unique and so solid. And it makes you want to buy a top hat. I was going to say it makes me want to watch Peaky Blinders. I haven't seen it, so... <laughs> hey, man. It doesn't. <laughs> Killian Murphy, Tom Hardy. I mean, come on. What are Tom you doing? Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah. Let's see it, man. All right. Well, that is that is Furnace uh, by Ivan Lashin. Uh, no, it's I'm Ivan s- Lashin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nate. We got something next. Tell us about it. Yeah, so... Our board banter of the week is we would like to talk about... Well, actually, you posited this question. I did. Should a game be judged by its expansions? And I would love to dive in and answer this question, but I actually would like to hear you elaborate on what you mean by that. Okay. Well, let me first just say that I wrote that question down probably at least a, a year ago, maybe more, <laughs> when we were making up a list of possible right, board okay. topics for videos. Okay. So I have no idea what my original thoughts were. And I probably didn't have that much going into the thought. <laughs> but I, I can elaborate it on it now. Um, should a game be judged by its expansions? Um, this meaning, uh, if you're going to analyze Everdell, for example, which has three, to my knowledge, large expansions, and then a bunch of little, like, card expansions. Should should Everdell, should, if it has a bad expansion, should Everdell be slammed for that? Should it be ticked down a notch on your review scale? Or should you only be analyzing the base game? And that's, that's kind of a weird, loaded question, because it really sure. depends on the situation. But that kind of reveals my own answer. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing Bilbo not wanting to give the ring over to Gandalf in the Fellowship of the Ring. And he's like, well, no. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so here's what, I w- here's what I would say. I think maybe it depends on how you're rating it. Um, so for my own personal list of just how I like, uh, if, I'm, if I'm rating like my top 100, which is just games that I like and in the order that I appreciate them in the order that I like them, in the order that I enjoy them. 100% yes, uh, expansions are going to be factored into that because they factor directly into the experience of playing the game, mm-hmm. which factor, which directly correlates to my enjoyment that I get from the game. So what if I'm ranking something based solely on what, how much I like the game, how much I enjoy playing it, then if I have expansions for that, they're going to factor in. If I have a bad expansion for it, 
Well, first of all, I feel like I wouldn't ever buy a bad expansion because I would do enough research on it to, you know, <laughs> but that's kind of beside the point. If I did have a bad expansion, then it would not because I wouldn't play with that expansion. So then it wouldn't factor into that. But if I'm judging the games based on just the game that they are, then I'm I'm taking expansions out and I'm not factoring in because I'm just talking about that game as it was created. Not the afterthoughts, not the things that were made secondary to it to bolster it and to, you know, make it better. I'm just judging the game as it is. So I guess right. it, I, I think I have more to say, more that I want to say, but sure, my yeah. overarching statement would be, well, yes and no. <laughs> it depends on, <laughs> it depends on for what the purpose is that you are judging the game. Yeah. I think we actually have pretty similar, perhaps even identical stances on this question. But as I pondered this deep question, what I came to is, should a game be judged by its expansions? And I think I do personally, uh, same thing. If I'm making my top 100 list, my how, how I enjoy a game is my overall experience with the game. So if it if there's an expansion that's a good expansion that made me enjoy the game more, um, it's going to go higher on my list uh, than I would put it otherwise. Right, of course, yeah. yeah. B- but if I was doing just a standard review of a game, like if we were to make a uh, old-time Way Brothers tapestry re- review game, um, I would think that anyone clicking on that video or anyone who wants to look up a review for a game isn't really concerned as much about the expansions. They just want to know, base game, how is it? And that's that's what I would answer. I wouldn't um, incorporate uh-huh. in an expansion because that's not what was originally produced. Or I guess that's what was originally produced was the main game, not the expansions. Right. Well, I think it's... I think the, the question actually can be pretty easily answered by if somebody says, well, hey, hey, Cody is... You know, is is uh, is Viticulture a good game? And you say, well, yes, it is, but only if you get the Tuscany expansion, uh, right? Yeah. Then already you're factoring that into whether or not there's a secondary thing that's affecting the game. But they didn't ask you if it was good with Tuscany. They asked you if Viticulture is a good game. Mm-hmm. So then your answer is kind of like, well, you know, it's all right. The viticulture itself is, it's, oh, it's okay. It's all right. It's, you know, it's whatever. And I'm not saying this is how you feel about the game, but you know, just sure. as an example. And then you can say, okay, but if you add an expansion, then it takes this okay, mediocre game and you know, hey, maybe it makes it really good, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the game itself should be judged based on just what it is, right? And then if you want to talk about other things, ways to make it better, whatever, then you can bring in the expansions and you can judge the expansions and their effect on the game. Mm-hmm. Here, here's a, a mild complication to it. It's not really that big, but consider, for example, the game of Scythe. Where, where I'm going with this is usually when you're considering an expansion in regards to a game, a game is completed and finished in its fullness and then that is what's released and then expansion adds all this new material to the game right uh what's weird about scythe is the base game of scythe actually includes player spots for what is going to be a dedicated expansion to the game um tagawa and albion those have player locations printed on the board so it's like the game was released already with an expansion like directly in mind. And I'm sure lots of games are released that way, but 
I don't know if I've seen many games printed in such a way where you're literally looking at the spot where the expansion is supposed to right. go, but the game doesn't come with that expansion in the box. Honestly, they might have even been released at the same time. I don't know. They might not have been, mm, but they might have a, been. That's a good point. They were just, you know, forcing you to purchase them separately in a very Apple fashion. Which is a great way to make more money on your games. For sure. Say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think that really affects this topic at all because it's still just an expansion, right? Sure, um, that's true. So, yeah. I but don't it know. is weird. It is, it is a strange thing if you buy a game and there's things on the board that have no effect on the game whatsoever, but they will in the future if you buy more content for the game, right? But they're printed, like, set in stone into that board, you know? Mm -hmm. They're part of that. Like, as far as what you're seeing when you get the scytheboard out, they are part of the game. Mm -hmm. But only if you buy the expansion do they actually have an effect. <laughs> yeah. Games can implement that in kind of a fun way sometimes, too. I was just thinking of, of Everdell. It's, it's got a weird funky shape to the board. For it's sure. It's kind of round, yeah. but then it's got these weird nubbins around the side, and you don't really know what they're for. But then you get an expansion, and you're like, oh, this shape fits perfectly. They made this with the expansion in mind. Yeah. And that, yeah. that is pretty cool. Actually, Seven Wonders Duel, I was looking up um, the Agora expansion. It actually functions the same way. Um, there's like these little notches in the original Seven Wonders Duel board mm -hmm. that I never really thought anything of. But then when you look at the Agora expansion, it's like, Oh, there's this little Senate portion thing that like clips onto the bottom of the board. So cool. Yeah. 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 I like that too. I think that's, uh, at least aesthetically, it's a satisfying thing to see included in the game, right? Yeah. I think, um, well, coming back to just the expansion topic as a whole, um, I feel like with a game, uh, the one I always come back to about this is uh, Civilization A New Dawn, which is the 2017 kind of uh, installment of the Civilization franchise. Yeah. That game, you know, again, I stand by what I said about you judge the game based on what it is, and then if you want to have a different discussion about how much you like it or whatever, then you can ex include expansions or whatever. I stick by that, which is so but. weird for me because Civilization is an amazing game. It's one of my favorite games. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like it very much, honestly, and I think that might be because the base be the game the base game was so rough. Mm. But then you have this expansion, the Terra Incognita expansion for Civilization, that completely changes the game, absolutely overhauls all of the problems that were in mm. the first game and. The kind of the core of the game still feels the same, but there's so many things about it that change. It literally takes things out and replaces them with new things. Like it takes things out that didn't work, puts different things in, changes how things function from the original game. There's so much to learn that changes mm. the game that like without that expansion involved, the game would be so far down my list. Like I wouldn't really want to play it very often. But once you put that expansion in, it's like, boom, it skyrockets way up my list and I, and I love it. It's an amazing game. You know, it's so weird to have this base game that has so many problems and oversights. It's like, how did they not figure this out in playtesting? This is terrible. <laughs> and then you get the expansion for it, and it's like, whoa, this game just got so much better. But it's like, well, no wonder this game had no popularity because it had so many bugs in a way, you know? 
yeah. for the original release. It's like, well, yeah, like why would most people wouldn't bother investing in an expansion for this game? Because it's like, <laughs> well, why would I want to add more content to something that kind of sucks? I'm very curious if if they had the expansion in mind while releasing the original game. Because I don't think the, so. In fact, I you, hope you don't not. think so. Well, if they like, did, I don't know then... how far apart they they were released, but there, there, there's a Tom Vassell vid yo that I was thinking of, um, where he and he and the rest of the Dice Tower crew are going over recommendations for people who are designing board games, and one of their tips is do do not withhold parts of a game just to release it as an expansion later, because what you end up releasing is a somewhat broken game that is then fixed by the expansion. I'm, I'm curious if Civilization did that. Well, I don't know because it's not like they had, it's not like they just added in stuff. It's not like the expansion was just, you know, things that were added in that it just expounded on the gameplay and made it more interesting. It's not like when you bought Civilization, you felt like you were buying three quarters of a game. You know, it's not that mm. kind of an experience. It's like literally parts of the game just feel straight up broken. Like some things just feel super overpowered and they, they are you know and the expansion literally takes those things out of the game and replaces them with different systems and different ways of doing things huh. that are far superior you know so if they had done it that way it would almost be like they made a game that they knew kind of sucked not just like it wasn't a complete game but like it kind of had problems and then released it and like yeah okay but we'll patch it don't you guys worry but we're just going to release mm. this i feel like from a pr standpoint that would be a terrible idea and i think they would have been reaping the consequences of that and that game not really getting a lot of attention sure it almost sounds like then that they basically released a second edition but in the form of an expansion kind of that's what second editions tend to do is they do an overhaul of the broken mechanics of the really that's game. actually a good point it feels more like uh civilization a new dawn second edition honestly is what it feels like yeah another new dawn <laughs> a newer dawn sunset yeah an old dawn so but anyways, that, that's a kind of a big, um, kind of a big rabbit trail. But since we were talking about expansions, I just kind of wanted to uh, bring it up, you know. Sure. Yeah, I mean that kind of reminded me of, of viticulture a little bit. I mean, granted, there's viticulture, and then I think there's multiple editions, but the one you want is viticulture essential edition, and that that functions as a second edition. It's an overhaul of the mechanics. It makes it better. It adds the the grande worker in there. Um, but I'm also just thinking of Tuscany that that dramatically changes the game. I mean, it, it adds a different board <laughs> to play the entire game on it. It essentially is a third edition, yeah, but it just actually, adds good, good stuff, you know? Yeah. It, it actually does kind of function the same way. I feel like it's not, um, replacing broken things. I feel like that's kind of what the essential edition did. Tuscany mm -hmm. definitely feels like an expansion, but it, it also really is replacing a lot of stuff, right? You know, you have a different board. And so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can see but, that yeah. perspective on that also, for sure. Plus an it addition does, of lots of things. Yeah, it does kind of feel like a new addition in a way, or like almost like a, yeah, I don't know. But there's a lot of added stuff in, you know? So it's not just like a second edition where they just took it, refined it, streamlined definitely. it, whatever, you know? They did kind of do that with some things but then they also added in a ton of stuff that totally changed the game so yeah i've yeah. got new worker places you got the modified season advancement now you have four seasons instead of just two 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, no, the Tuscany is it's like dramatic. if you like viticulture, that's a that's that's a great expansion to get to totally change up the game. Yeah, I've yeah. I've heard a lot of people say too. Well, I guess not personally online. I've heard a lot of people say once you play the Tuscany um, expansion, like that's that's the only way you ever play the game after that. Like you don't want to go back to just plain old silly essential edition. Even though I think it's still fine. Yeah, I, I feel like I could go either way. But I definitely I think it's the better version of the two playing with sure. Tuscany. Yeah. So how would you sum up our answer of should a game be judged by its expansions? Like I said, it just um, well okay. So the way the the questions worded, I would say no. The game itself should not be. But right. it's it, it still it depends on yeah what the purpose of uh, you're judging it for. So. So it shouldn't be, but we do. <laughs> a terrible way to answer the question. Yeah. Well, thank you, folks, for uh, tuning in for another episode of Tabletop Shop. Hope you guys enjoyed our conversations about furnace and, uh, you know, uh, pondering the implications of expansions on their host games and all the other things that we talked about. Hopefully, you enjoyed this. Hopefully, you are reveling in our hopefully not terrible sounding audio quality. Uh, if there's anything that you want to uh, suggest to us or maybe even tear us down for, dare I say, constructively criticize. If there's anything you want to tell us, maybe you just want to suggest some things, compliment us, uh, whatever it is, you can do that at tabletopshop23 at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Facebook and even Instagram. Is that right, Cody? Yeah, man. Tabletopshop23. Yes, we also have a website, tabletopshop.wixsite.com backslash website. No, forward slash. Get it right. For, for, forward slash. You don't, you don't know your forward slashes from your backslashes? Honestly, no. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> well, don't become a swordsman. And remember, no matter how hard your life is, it's not as complicated as turn order in viticulture. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been the Tabletop Shop Podcast. We release episodes every other Wednesday, and you can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We'll catch you guys on the next episode, and in the meantime, keep on playing games. Mm-hmm.